following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Have you heard about Moo Money? Moo Money? Moo Money is a rewards program that lets you earn cash every time you buy real milk. I use mine to buy movie tickets. Movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. It was a musical. Uh-huh. Anyway, just head to MooMoney.com to start earning moolah. Got it. Moolah. Hurry, or everything I told you will be moot. Oh, please, no more moos. Someone's a little moody. Open to legal residents of the state of California, 18 years of age or older. Visit MooMoney.com for official rules, terms, and conditions. Hey, everybody, before we get going, could you please do the Forbes Under 30 podcast a huge favor by filling out a less than five-minute survey? Just go to podcastone.com slash my survey or go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. It's completely anonymous, and your responses will help us align appropriate advertisers with you, our listeners, so that we can be talking about things that are relevant to you. If you've if you filled out a survey in the past, we thank you, but we we still need you to do it again. Your efforts will help us stay free to download with minimal ads. Podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, to fill out the survey. I got a call from my dad. You know, he was telling me that he will not make it home that night or any other night, right? But that I should still believe in the American dream. I, I didn't understand what he was saying. But the reality was that, you know, he was being deported. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. But first, a quick break to thank Rocket Mortgage and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free, which saves you a couple hundred bucks at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. My guest today is Alberto Altamirano. He's an entrepreneur, public speaker, columnist, political strategist, and the founder of City Flag, uh, which is an application that allows people to easily report infrastructure issues while crafting civic stories and building a more inclusive local government. And I'm just going to say he's joining us via Skype, and he's encouraged me to call him Beto. <laughs> That's right. So it's nice to have you, Beto. I'm going to do that. Um, you can call me Steve. Awesome. Tell me, where are you? Where Where did you grow up? Let's start with your background before we get into City Flag. Definitely. So I, I grew up in a border town in Texas, in a bicultural setting, meaning that I, I had the best of both worlds. You know, I, I enjoy the, you know, the richness and culture that, you know, Mexico offers and the, you know, do-it-yourself entrepreneurial spirit that United States offer, merge into one vision. And that's South Texas, right? Uh, but I'm, I currently live in San Antonio. So tell me, were you all, you said you had uh, the entrepreneurial spirit as a kid. Is, does that come from your family? Definitely. So my dad is an entrepreneur. You know, he he has his own business, right? And then uh, my mother is also an entrepreneur. But my mother is also an educator. So she she started her own school. You know, so she uh, you know she teaches elementary and junior high. So uh, yeah, so so she they're both entrepreneurial, right? And so I think I had that influence growing up. What was your first memory personally of engaging either in in, in civic? Uh, issues, uh, you know, government or, or in uh, in uh, in the entrepreneurial space. 
you know, in high school, I, I, I was not the most organized or, or focused student, you know, and I, I see that a lot. I see a trend there, Steve, about, you know, entrepreneurs not being the brightest uh, students in high school or, right. or when they were young, you know, because they have this rebellious attitude, you know, that drives them to create and, and to discover that curiosity. Right. But I was not the brightest student. Right. But one day uh, I still remember, you know, the sun hitting my face. It was after football practice. I got a call from my dad. You know, he was telling me that he will not make it home that night or any other night, right? But that I should still believe in the American dream. I, I didn't understand what he was saying. But the reality was that, you know, he was being deported. And I was 18 years old. Mm. And he, you know, he instilled in me this attitude of, of doing what I could, right, with life, embracing life, you know, embracing the ups and downs. And from this, you know, I, I learned, you know, about, you know, his words and, and his own philosophy. And I understood my parents by coming to the United States, having given me an opportunity I had to take advantage of. I also understood the role of policy and politics in our everyday life. I mean, I experienced it, you know, with my immediate family, with my father. So when I started college that same year, I started focusing on political science. And as a result, that led me to work in the Texas House of Representatives which was my big, you know, my first big breakthrough, you know, through the whole policy making process. And then I got a job at the U.S. Senate working for then U.S. Senator John Kerry. And then I ended up working at the White House, USTR. And so that's where I started learning about politics, about civics, right? And the influence that it has on our everyday life. But that was also the same time where I started learning about, you know, the big uh, challenges that government has in regards to connecting with citizens, because they don't have the right tools or the right technology. Tell me a little bit more about the experience when your father told you that. What what effect did that have on you and your role in, in your family? So it's funny because right after that, I needed to do something. I needed to find myself, right? And what I did, I started a magazine, right? So a magazine that celebrated Hispanic contemporary Hispanic arts in South Texas, something that is uh, not very uh, celebrated because there's not a lot of uh, contemporary outlets for, for young people to express themselves. So that was my first business venture, actually, Stephen. Was there any recourse in bringing your father back? And, and what's the status now? Definitely, of course. Right after college and my experience you know, working in government, I, went, I came back to, to Texas after you know, spending time in, in D.C. and even in Spain, in Barcelona. I came back and I started law school. And of course, my, my goal was to, you know, also help my dad get his, uh, you know, his visa and his residentship in, in the U.S. But my first semester in law school, I, I realized that I wanted to do something else. I wanted to have more, you know, impact immediately, right? And so that same semester, I, uh, I, I, I applied to this program, national, a national program by MacArthur Foundation. Mm -hmm. And if you heard of MacArthur Foundation, they're great people. They're amazing. You know? And so I applied to this program. It was called, called the Voto Latino Innovator Challenge. Mm -hmm. right? and, uh, and it was, they were awarding you know, $500,000 for a business plan competition with a prototype. And at that time, I had a business idea, and it was City Flag. Right? But it was not defined. But I still applied. And as a result, I was a semifinalist in that coming spring of 2014, right after my first semester of law school. And I, did, I decided to do a life-changing uh, you know, decision in that moment. And that was that I, I got out of law school to pursue this immediate you know, uh, you know, idea of, of creating my own business. To civically so, engage millennials. Exa exactly. But to your question – you know, my passion was there to help my, my dad come back to the U.S., get his visa. 
Now, let's fast forward and I'll skip a little bit of the process of starting City Flag and everything that we did to get to answer your question. You know, about a month ago, my dad got his visa mm. and, it, and it felt amazing. And my wife became an immigration attorney. So it's just very interesting how, how, how yeah. life plays out, right? That's very exciting. Um, I, I want to go back to some of your experience in government. You know, you said you worked at the Texas House of Representatives, the Office of U.S. Trade Representatives, and in the Senate. Uh, for somebody that uh, didn't enjoy being in school that much, how what was the experience of being in government? I remember being in that environment. You know, being in the same room of Marco, that Marco Rubio mm-hmm. and John Kerry, and, and they were like making all these decisions, right? And I was just there, and I was only 22 years old. So, to your question, while I, I was not the the best student in high school, I, I intellectually found these experiences so accelerating. And in the same in same same regards, you know, in, once I started university, I I actually graduated from honors, you know, from the University of Texas at Austin. So I, I went from right. you know in school suspension. <laughs> That's what I call it in high school to graduating with the highest honors uh, at the University of Texas at Austin. So it was also maybe like finding myself and finding what I'm passionate. I was passionate about. So my experience in government was it was uh, amazing. It was something that I I value so much because that's what you know carried me forward and and pushed me in this direction of creating my own company, my government tech, civic tech company. And we're taking a quick break now, but we'll be right back. Support for the Forbes Under 30 podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. So let's – and we're going to get into maybe your own political interests later on. But what – tell me city flag. Let's have you walk us through exactly how it works and uh, what, it's, what it's accomplished. Definitely. So after spending some time in Barcelona, Steve, I, I – uh, you know, I, I learned so much about what was happening with smart cities movement, right? And we would, when we talk about smart cities, it's a very complex dialogue because so many people have so many ideas about what's a smart city, right? And and when I got back to Texas, I had all these experiences, right, of, of how government tech tools and civic tech tools are transforming the ecosystem, right, in cities across the world. And so in Texas, when I was organizing the east side of Austin mm-hmm. – I, I realized that people were hungry. They were hungry for change. You know, like who was going to fix the pothole down the street and, the, you know, the stoplight, the missing stop sign and the, you know, the power outages. People, you know, wanted to have a conversation about these issues that they were experiencing in their neighborhoods. And I was organizing for a political candidate. And I realized that I didn't have the answer. 
Steve. But what I did realize is that I could, you know, get this information from them and understand what we could do with it, right? So, you know, I got together with a, a professor in communication. Uh, his name is Dr. Beto Gomez, who's now my business partner, mm-hmm. and also Eduardo Bravo, who's also my co-founder. So those are my two co-founders. And uh, we started coming up with ideas. And research shows that, you know, the well-being of these communities, right, reflects on how prosperous and how, uh, you know, successful these communities are. So infrastructure issues have a direct connection to the, the development of people and kids in those neighborhoods, right? And so, you know, after coming up with ideas, we came up, you know, we started brainstorming, what can we do to change the landscape? And we came up with City Flag 311, which is the first social network for 311 services, meaning that you can easily connect with your government and report all kinds of issues that you see in your neighborhood, but at the same time, build community. Because it has a visual reference of what happens in your in your city, in your neighborhoods, because you have a dynamic map that allows you to see all the reports coming in. Also, you can, you know, take a photo of anything, you know, geolocated and send it directly to the city. And most importantly, you can add people in your in your vicinity. So you can interact with other uh, you know concerned citizens. And actually build community instead of complaining. And I think that's important, right? Because I think it's important to highlight that when you give people part of the process or some type of tool, they actually engage. And they become entrepreneurial about the activity of contributing to the development of a given city. Well, and it also uh, raises issues of, of uh, socioeconomic concerns. You know, some of these communities that you're talking about, um, they don't – some communities just don't know who to – talk to if there's a problem. But others, I, I imagine, fear the threat of speaking out those members of society, like as you know, who are vulnerable, who might be undocumented and fear retribution from the government aren't necessarily going to you know, be in, inspired to become civically engaged. Very true. Very true. And that's something that, Steve, I'm, I'm glad you talk about that because it's something that I experienced when, when organizing the east side of Austin. I realized that you know, some of these folks are undocumented. And they're afraid to to actually, you know, talk to their government about the issues that they see in their neighborhood. They don't want to have, you know, anything to do with government because they're scared. They're afraid. And the same goes, you know, uh, and these are, you know, uh, mostly Latino folks, right? And the same goes to the, you know, the black community who who's experienced some, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in, in different experiences, you know, with maybe the law enforcement. And after that, they don't want to connect with their government, with their lo- local government, when in reality – it's the other way around. We should nurture these communities because we should not only nurture, you know, the civic engagement side of of, of the context, right, the political context, but also by investing in this community, you're investing in economic development because these are the same kids that are going to graduate from high school and go to college if you really nurture this ecosystem. So I agree with you 100%. And I, I know there's been studies on this. What has your research shown you about how minorities have um, – adopted smartphone and, and, and technology more than any other generation, which is, I, I believe, what a lot of the research shows. Yeah, a lot. Actually, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I wrote an article about that uh, for the NPR Latino USA. Mm. And, and what we found was that, the, you know, the Latino community is adopting technology trends at a large higher percentage than any other demographic. And what kind of campaign outreach did you do? How how difficult, how easy was it to get people signed up and, and using City Flag? 
So for for you know, I think I think it's important to highlight that uh, with working with cities, we uh, we also work directly with the neighborhood associations. So for us, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Uh, targeting neighborhood associations throughout the city. If we target those organizations first, they become on our early adopters. And we're taking a quick break now, but we'll be right back. Is your company hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them, something better than posting your job online and just crossing your fingers that the right people will see it. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for for free. They can just go on to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes and save yourself a couple hundred bucks. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Well, and there, in terms of the team for City Flag, it's not just you, right? There's four people. What was the experience uh, like for you of starting that company of uh, entrepreneurs? I think it was it was a great experience. I think it's difficult for any startup. I think uh, you know everyone who's listening right now understands that. But within the challenge, you know, lies the merit. It's also about your, who you surround yourself with. It's uh, it's a team effort. It's a daily team effort. It's not just you and against the world. It's, it's your team. You might be the CEO and the founder, but your co-founders and you know your your employees, your early stage employees, play a significant a significant uh, you know role in, in the success of your company. Uh, our company is a, is a Latino uh, you know co- company founded by Latinos. You know and. It's it's the struggle because, for example, when you look at the investment, you know, landscape, you know, across the country, we find that you know less than one percent of venture-backed, you know, companies are led by Latino co-founders, hmm. and so that is uh, something that we need to change. But most importantly, I think it's also you know uh, surrounding yourself with the right people, and that's what we've been able to do. You, we, Eduardo Bravo, who's our other co-founder, has been amazing at you know uh, nurturing the success pathway for us. And then most recently, we. Uh, we have we welcome a big name into the company, uh, you know, Honorable Henry Cisneros, who was the you know HUD secretary and also the first uh, Latino mayor for any major city. Uh, now he's our senior advisor and actually an investor, uh, you know, in this uh, round that we're uh, investment round. And also Felix Ortiz, the third, who is uh, our senior advisor, and he's uh, actually he founded Veritas Learning. And he's a, a rising star in the education technology industry. So we have this really uh, dynamic uh, team and, and, and flow that we're very proud of. Tell me a little bit about the process of raising money and uh, and dealing with investors and and uh, facing rejection. How do you stay motivated to, to keep coming <laughs> back for more? Because I imagine there's a lot of rejection yeah. in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially for social impact uh, companies. Like mine or or government, you know, yeah. civic tech companies, is uh, is a huge challenge raising money, right? So, uh, you know, I, I won this MacArthur Foundation grant at the beginning uh, of how, that's how I got started, and I was, I mean, some people call it luck, some people, you know, call it, you know, you know, being prepared, you know, for the right opportunity. 
Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, right? And so by winning that MacArthur Foundation grant, I was able to propel the company forward, start the company, and actually hire people and and you know and develop this tool. But we, it got to a point where I needed to you know raise uh, you know some money, and so I, I put together a, a pre-seed friends and family around, and mm-hmm. uh, and it was I call it friends and family around, but it wasn't. It was mostly you know pitching to angel investors and that was not easy because imagine you have no clients you're a government tech company social impact driven and then uh you know to get to your first client you need to sell to a major city so other small and medium-sized cities can follow through and so it was so difficult so most you know most recently uh you know having uh, henry cisneros coming as an investor represents a big victory for us why because you know this is the guy who led the national league of cities the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Mm. He knows cities so well. So for us, for us, he's a strategic business partner, and that's something that I also want to, you know, you know, inform the public about the idea of looking for strategic partners at the beginning of your venture. It's so important. Not just look for money, but look for people that will help, you know, your company grow. What do they bring to the table? What is it that you know you like about you know their business, uh, you know, expertise, or you know, let's say their organizational leadership expertise? Mm-hmm. Because that's also going to define momentum in your company, which will lead you to a successful you know outcome. Well, better you can you can hear the the passion for for civic engagement and for technology in your in your voice. What is the elevator pitch like when you go into these meetings? Give us a, a sample. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it's simple, right? I mean, you know, you know, the, the way that government interacts with its citizens today is broken. It's complex and it's outdated. It's complex because some of the tools that government has put forward yeah. are so difficult to navigate. And some of the tools that government has, currently has, and this is across the country, are outdated. They're outdated because, you know, they've been there for more than 10 years, 15, 20 years. So we need to bring them up to speed to the 21st century. And that's why we blended human-centered design principles with creativity and data to create a unique public service experience. With CDFlag 311, you know, you have the opportunity to surf the application in an interactive and social uh, way. And you also get to interact with other folks and, you know, ultimately connect with your government in less than 30 seconds. There you go. Pretty persuasive, Beto. Uh, t- tell me, uh, uh, is this how scalable is this? Is this right now? This uh, application and where? What markets are you looking to to get into that you're not? Definitely. So we're looking at uh, you know uh, trying to capture the entire Southwest region of the United States. Mm-hmm. We're also looking at you know the New York City area. We're also looking at the West Coast. Uh, there's a lot of cities that have uh, you know some type of uh, you know three one one tool. But what we're offering is completely different. So I think uh, you know our product is scalable. It can you know it can reach every single corner of the United States and in the world as well. So we're currently working with various cities in Texas, currently, and we're trying to expand out of state. And also we're working uh, with Mexico City uh, with Delegacion called Temoc, which is the downtown area, which is like La Roma, La Condesa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very hip area. And so uh, we're trying to also expand into Mexico as well. And so uh, we see the opportunity to scale this product anywhere. And I think uh, once people start using it and they see how easy it is to connect with each other and connect with their uh, government and actually make a difference in their city – 
people will actually use it, right? And so I'm, I'm very excited about the possibilities. This is a step forward, I think, in the, in the direction of, of a lot of transformation that will happen uh, for government technology. This is just the beginning. Uh, I think, uh, you know, through AI and machine learning, we're going to be able to do some great transformations for the government tech ecosystem. So I'm very excited about how uh, we, we will scale this product. What do you think about your own uh, ambitions for one day running for office? I get that question a lot, you know, and, and look, uh, right now I'm focusing on my business. I love what I'm doing. I'm, I love, you know, uh, having an impact in cities and actually using technology to achieve that uh, greater outcome. Uh, but of course, you know, public service is my passion. It is, and I can't deny it. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to seeing what I can do in the future to contribute to the success of, of a city or a state or who knows. We can go as far as we want. Alberto, I really uh, enjoyed talking with you. That's that's Alberto Altamirano. He runs City Flag. And uh, thanks for taking the time. No, thank you, Stevie. This is a great opportunity. And, and I love your program. So keep it up. All right. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30. That's the number 30 at podcast1.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. At the Border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he'd never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.